On his honeymoon, Mark wanted to show off his perfect swan dive to his wife in the crowded hotel pool. He nailed it and, very proud of himself, gets out of the pool where he hoped to find his new bride gleaming. Instead, she was laughing hysterically and pointing to the diving board where he saw his swim trunk still hanging. The problem is when that satisfaction, when that pride turns to the pride that says, look what I've done. Welcome to Anchor Points, a program produced by Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more at fredericksdachurch.org. Everyone has had those moments where you've been humbled out of your own pride. Today, Robert Quintana points out you have two choices to make. One can lead to disaster, and the other leads to a renewed sense of purpose. Listen in as he shares the first part in his series, The Meek and the Beautiful. So maybe some of you might be able to relate um, to what I'm about to say. You spend a whole day painting the living room. You start with taping off the trim everywhere, and then we cut the trim, and then we take the, the tape off, and then we start rolling, and then after you finish, you realize this is going to need another coat, and so you go start all over again. Does, can anyone relate to what I'm, I'm saying here? And then at the end of the project, you're able to just kind of sit back and just observe your handiwork and say... That's pretty good. I mean, this room looks so much better. I am so happy that I set out to do that, right? I know some of you can relate to that, to that feeling of satisfaction that you get from accomplishing something, accomplishing something good. Um, When I was a teenager, um, my family lived in Apopka, and my sister had a home that sat on 2.2 acres, And we could not afford a riding lawnmower, so we had a push mower. And for a little extra cash, I would push that mower for the 2.2 acres. It would take me hours. I mean, you can imagine this this thick Florida Bermuda grass. You know what I'm talking about? All right. By the time I was done, I was exhausted. I mean, hours later, a few pounds later... I was just exhausted. But every time, there was such a sense of satisfaction. It was wonderful. You know that God wants us to enjoy and be satisfied with the things that we accomplish in life. I want to share with you this interesting passage that's found in the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 18. Turn there with me if you'd like. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 18 and 19. This is what it says here. Here is what I have seen. In other words, Solomon's saying, this is my observation. This is my conclusion. Here's what I have seen. It is good and fitting for one to eat and drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life, which God gives him. Now, I want you to remember that, which God gives him, because throughout today's message, that's a reoccurring theme, which God gives him, for it is his heritage. 
Verse 19, for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth and given him power to eat of it, to receive his heritage and rejoice in his labor. This is a gift of God. For he will not dwell unduly on the days of his life because God keeps him busy with the joy of his heart. So you see, God wants us to be satisfied. God wants us to take joy and pleasure in the things that we do, in the things that we accomplish. You know, for parents, it is a good feeling when, let's say, your child chooses a good spouse. You think to yourself, man, that is a wonderful thing. That is a great thing. I am satisfied that all my hard work is paying off. Maybe they come home with straight A's. You feel proud about that. You feel good about that. Um, A dinner party you worked on for, for many days turns out perfectly. That's a good thing. You should feel good about that. Um, you move into a new, larger home. You should be satisfied about that. Um, the dress that, that you wore at your wedding day still fits 25 years later. You should feel good about that. You should take pleasure in that. Um, you know, if you, you relocate your living room and all of a sudden there, there seems to be more space, it's open, you should feel good about that. You know, God blesses us with an intellect to reason. He blesses us with gifts and talents. And guess what? He wants us to put those things to good use. And when God blesses those gifts that he gives us, we should be proud of it. We should um, have a sense of satisfaction and enjoy those blessings. But you see, there's a problem. And the problem is a little difficult to understand. The reason why is because the problem itself is deceitful in nature. And the problem is this. The problem is when that satisfaction, when that pride turns to the pride that says, look what I've done. Uh, Look what I've accomplished. Uh, Look at what I'm able to do because of my finances, because of the money that I have, or because of the talents that I have, or because of my personality. You see, when you take it from what God has given us, and you're proud of that, and now you start thinking to yourself, man, this is me. Look what I'm able to accomplish. That can be dangerous. And the Bible talks a lot about this dangerous kind of pride. Why is it dangerous? Well, let's just look at a few verses why this kind of selfish pride is dangerous. Turn with me to the book of Proverbs. We're going to read a few verses. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 12. I'm sorry, verse 2. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2 says, When pride comes... Then comes shame, but with the humble is wisdom. So one of the things that a prideful heart, this selfish kind of pride can do is bring shame to your life. Now see, the problem here is that this pride, as we're going to discover here in just a second, is deceitful. It is is something that you're not even aware that you're doing. And there is a fine line. On this side of the threshold, you are experiencing the gifts of God because we need to understand that everything that we have is given 
of God, is given by God. My gifts, my talent, my resources, my homes, my cars, everything that I have is God. See, that's on this side of the threshold. And as long as I understand that everything I have in life belongs to God and I'm going to use it for his glory, then I can be satisfied in the outcome. But there's a fine line that so many of us cross, you see, because we cross this this threshold where we now start thinking that what I have is a result of my hard work, of my hard labor, of the gift that I've acquired because of whatever education I might have or because of whoever I made as a mentor in my life. And when I start thinking that my accomplishments and what I have are as a result of my doing, now you've crossed over into this, this pride that the Bible talks will bring shame to your life. This kind of pride is dangerous. You know, the Bible says that there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the way of it leads to death. Why do you think that is? You think pride might have a part to play in that? I'd like for you to turn to Obadiah. Obadiah chapter 1 verse 3. Obadiah is a small book at the end of the Old Testament. You might have a hard time finding it. Verse 3, I say chapter 1. I can really just say Obadiah 3 because there's only one chapter. That's how small it is. The pride of your heart, what? Has deceived you. A lot of scholars, a lot of theologians apply this text to Lucifer. But certainly it applies to us today. You see, because we live in a society that tells us that you are at the center of everything. We live in a culture that says you need to fend for yourself. And if you want something, you have to work hard to get it and don't let anyone else take it from you. And you need to acquire as much as you can. You need to save up as much as you can. And you need to understand that everything that you collect, everything that, you, that you're able to acquire, that is yours. That is your hard work. And here we are in this world, and unfortunately, so many Christians have crossed that threshold that says, on one side, what I have is God's. He has given it to me. All the gifts and all the talents and all the resources, he has entrusted that to me and I will use it for his honor and his glory. So many Christians have crossed over that threshold where now they say what is mine is mine and I have it because of my hard work, because of my networking, because of my good connections. What I have is what I have and it is mine and I'm not giving it to anyone the story of Uzziah. Now check this out, verse 1. Now all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old. How old? 16 years old. That is super young, right? And the Bible tells us here in verse 1, who was 16 years old and made him king Instead of his father, Amaziah. Can you imagine, Kevin, being king of a nation? President of the United States of America at 16. Can you imagine? There's no way, right? But this is what happened to Isaiah. 
It's crazy. I mean, it's hard for us to wrap our minds around that. But, but this is what he was thrust into at 16 years old. Now, you know, there's a lesson that we're going to learn here. But I just want to say that we see this play out often in, let me say, um, children who go into acting at a very early age. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, kids who get fame and get wealth and a lot of possessions very early on. And by the time they're in their mid-20s to, to late 20s, maybe in their 30s, you, you just see them going down the wrong path. Why? Because they think that what they have is because of who they are and what they're able to accomplish. And what they have isn't because God gave it to me. No, this is because of my, my good acting skills and because I'm, I'm good looking. But where does that lead? It leads to shame. It leads to destruction. It leads to living in deceit. And so here it is. It says, now all uh, the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father Amaziah. He built Elath and restored it to Judah after the king rested with his fathers. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king. And he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jecoliah of Jerusalem. Now listen to verse 4. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done. See, he started off on the right foot. I'm telling you, he started over here where he acknowledged God as the supreme being. He acknowledged God as Lord, as creator. He acknowledged God as the giver of all things. He acknowledged God as the giver of of the talents that I have, of the possessions that I have. He was acknowledging God and doing everything right in the eyes of God. And if you take some time to read the rest of the story, we're going to pick it up at the end. But between what we're going to read, you're going to see how God blessed him. The opposite of shame, the opposite of destruction, the opposite of being deceived, right? And so you see how God just blessed them over and over and over again. I'm reminded of that verse that says, if you're faithful in the little things, you will be faithful with many things. And so God just blessed them more and more. But somewhere along his journey, Unfortunately, he crossed that line. He crossed that threshold where no longer was he trusting in God and honoring God and and saying, God, what I have is because of you. No, he crossed that line where now he thinks of himself greater than what he really is. It says, but when he was strong in his heart, was lifted up. In other words, his heart was puffed up, right? He thought of himself as being greater than what he was. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up. So his destruction, for, his, for he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. So Azariah, the priest, went in after him. And with him were 80 priests of the Lord, valiant men. Now listen to this, verse 18. And they withstood King Isaiah and said to him, It is not for you, Isaiah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have trespassed. You shall have no honor from the Lord God. So here, the king 
takes it upon himself. He thinks so much of himself that he says, you know what? I can do this priest stuff. I mean, uh, who are they to tell me I can't do this? That's how puffed up he was. And so he goes into the temple to burn incense. The high priest comes and he's like, whoa, 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 time out. Man, you can't go in there. Are you crazy? This belongs to, to, to the Levites. This belongs to, to the, the descendants of Aaron. You can't go in there. What, what do you think? Now, listen very closely. Because every one of us, whenever we're faced with crossing that threshold from giving God the credit to taking the credit for ourselves, every time before crossing that threshold, guess what? We have a choice. We are presented with a choice. And Isaiah here has a choice, does he not? His choice as he's reaching this threshold is to say, whoa, wait a second. Let me humble myself, which is the opposite of pride, and let me turn back to God and live here where I acknowledge that everything that I have has been given to me by God and that there are some things that God has not given me that I'm not going to take unless he has given it to me, right? Or, or he can purpose in his heart, you know what? I know better. Uh, who does he think I am? You know, does he not know that I'm the king? I mean, does he not know what I've accomplished? Does he not know how much money I have? I mean, does he just not know who I am? Now, I don't know about you, but I know me, and I don't want to be responsible for my life. I would rather live over here where God is responsible for my life. But when we cross that threshold where we now make pride the center of our lives, guess what? God says, I can't follow you over there. You're going to have to take responsibility for your own life. And this is why it leads to shame. It leads to destruction. It leads to living in deceit because we just don't know enough. Right, And so here he has a choice. Uh, which one do you think he chooses? Verse 19. Then Isaiah became furious. Unfortunately, he did not humble himself. Unfortunately, he did not turn and say, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I, I acknowledge that, that that's not mine over there. I need to live here with what you've given me. And I'm going to use what you've given me for your honor and your glory. No, he decided to cross that threshold. And it says here, and he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was angry with the priest, leprosy broke out on his forehead. Before the priest in the house of the Lord beside the incense altar. That's some swift, harsh judgment. Is it not? And you might think, whoa, whoa, wait a second. God, you're being a little too harsh here, aren't you? Just remember that to whom much is given, much is expected. And so it says here in verse 20, And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him, and there on his forehead he was leprous. So they thrust him out of that place. Indeed, he also hurried to get out. God has a way of putting us in our place, doesn't he? Right? I mean, the priests were like looking at him. They can't believe it. They're like, you have leprosy on your forehead. You need to get out of here. Right? 
And now he's thinking, oh, what have I done? And now he's hightailing it out of there as well. And it says here in verse 21, that King Isaiah was a leper until the day of his death. He dwelt in an isolated house because he was a leper. For he was cut off from the house of the Lord. See, pride only leads to shame. Pride only leads to destruction. Pride only leads to living a life where you're being deceived and you're not taking ownership. Now listen, there are two types of people in the world. There are those that live a life of humility, humbleness. There's those that that say, you know what? Everything that I have belongs to God. It is not mine. That's why you have some people that if, if all of a sudden they were to lose everything, they're okay with it because they, their life is in God's hands. There are those that live in that kind of surrender, daily surrender, and then there are those that live um, haughty, arrogant. They're, they're the ones that, that are constantly um, spewing uh, venom, and, and they're the ones that, that think of themselves greater than, than they ought. I, I want to just point out these two types of people that are going to be living at the end of time. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2 says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. The word there, perilous, uh, you can translate it stressful times will come. So in the last days, stressful times will come. Verse 2, for men will be... Now, listen to the underlying theme to everything we're going to read here, Okay. It's this pride, this, this arrogance, this thinking of myself, okay? Verse 2, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boisters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parent, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Every single one of them had at its core a spirit of pride. I'm not going to forgive you. Crazy? Why am I going to forgive you? What, what would prevent someone from forgiving someone else? Pride. Boisters. People that go around, you know, tapping themselves on the shoulders. What, what would cause someone to do that? pride. Uh, Lovers of self. You know, I I love myself and I'm going to protect myself and I'm going to put me first over you. What would cause someone to do? Pride. But listen to this. This verse has always stumped me because I I just, for some reason, the, the implication just doesn't settle well with me, but I have to be true to the text. It says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power And from such, people turn away. It's almost as though Paul is writing to Timothy and he's saying, listen, there are going to be people in the church at the last days that are going to be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, boisters, right? Having a form of godliness. People out in the world don't go around wanting to put a form of godliness on them. It's only those within the church, right, that we want to have this form of godliness. So just think about that for a little bit. Do you see how this, this pride things get, it, I mean, it, it just, it permeates and it creeps in in all areas of life, right? 
And so God, instead of getting angry and mad here, Lord, I'm going to surrender and I'm going to treat my enemies with love as you've called me to. I am humbling myself and I'm going to treat them with love and respect. This is the kind of life that God is calling us to. And just real quickly in closing, I want to share with you two things that we can do to avoid crossing that threshold. The first thing, don't compare yourself to other people. When you start comparing yourself to others, you are slowly inching closer to that threshold. And if you continue to compare yourselves, you will cross over that threshold because now it's become about you instead of what God is doing through you. The second thing, in order not to cross that threshold, is put God's purpose, his desires, before your desires. And that's very hard to do. But if we continue to put our desires first, I'm telling you, you're going to cross that threshold and you're going to be living a life that's self-centered, that's prideful, and all that leads shame, destruction, deceitfulness. This make it a purpose as we leave here today that we are going to live a life of humility. We're going to live a life of humbleness. Anchor Points with Robert Quintana is a ministry of the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to share it with a friend. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or at fredericksdachurch.org. You want to get ahead, put your faith and your trust in me. Humble yourself. Acknowledge me and I will assume the responsibility for your success. That's what God says. Next week, Robert Quintana shares the second and last part in this series, The Meek and the Beautiful. Also, if you're wanting to learn more about how to begin a life change or just wanting more answers, we'd love to talk with you. Feel free to visit us online and check out some of our resources at fredericksdachurch.org. We're located right between I-70 and Route 15 on Jefferson Pike. Our main service takes place Saturdays at 11 a.m., and we'd love for you to join us sometime. Remember, God loves you and wants you to live out His purpose.